Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the podcast, the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life. And specifically here, the real history of the Founding Fathers from their written words and correspondence, as we say in the intro to the podcast, uh, as always. And uh, thank you for joining me on this episode, by the way. This episode is going to be episode number 46. And if you uh, caught the previous two episodes or any one of the previous two episodes, you'll know that the podcast is going to be somewhat curtailed for the next couple of months as I'm working on a a project of sorts that, that is taking a great deal of time and unfortunately, the podcast was really the only thing that I had time-wise that I could amputate. And it's not really getting amputated. It's really just getting cut short uh, an episode here or there. Uh, the the Thursday episodes are largely going to be very much curtailed. And every once in a while, there's going to be probably a Monday episode that gets cut short. And this is going to be one of them. Next week's episode will be a long-form episode into the letters. I can guarantee you that, barring some catastrophe, of course. Heaven forbid that happen. But this weekend, again, because of that other project, and some other things. I was just far too busy to uh, actually record a full-length episode. I did do some research this weekend. I did take some notes and do some documentation leading up to uh, next week's episode, but uh, unfortunately, I just couldn't get into the recording process and the editing process fast enough this weekend to be able to drop a Monday episode per usual. So this episode is going to be shorter, but I'm going to try to... I'll I'll always deliver content you know, especially on the Monday episodes, but it's just a question of what that's going to be. And because I've got to cut it a little bit short for the next few months, sometimes these Monday's episodes are not going to be about the letters exactly. They're going to be about other things. Now, I did say in previous episodes uh, that as we cut the podcast a little bit short for the next few months, I will make recommendations for episodes that you might want to go back and listen to a second time so that you have something to listen to long form into the letters uh, like we typically do on the Monday episode. And this week, if you do want to listen to some additional content on Monday when we drop the episodes... And again, what day of the week you actually listen to that episode or what day you actually see it dropped is probably going to depend on where in the world you are. In the United States, I usually upload those on Sunday and so that they're available on Monday. But if you want to go back and listen to an episode, I have a couple of recommendations for you. I recommend you go back and listen to episode number 21 or episode number 28. And there's a particular reason why. Those two episodes are are two of the least listened to episodes in the entire library of podcasts that we have available right now. So there's actually, unless you've been with the podcast for a good while, there's a pretty good chance you may not have heard that episode. And for those of you who have been with the podcast for for a good while, it may be good to go back and listen to one of those episodes. And honestly, the one I would recommend is probably 28. Uh, For those of you who have been listening to the episodes for a long time and you've listened to them before, episode 21 may not be quite as enthralling as episode number 28. But uh, for those of you who are just joining the podcast or have joined relatively recently in the last month or so, and you haven't had a chance to go back through the library yet, and you're still listening to the podcast episodes as they get delivered, episode 21 or 28, I think, would be good uh, for, for a second listen or a first listen either way, depending on your circumstance. 
So, but uh, as far as today goes, we're I'm gonna I'm gonna basically change the format ever so slightly, and we're gonna talk about some history today from the founding fathers that has come back to life, so to speak, and was in the news recently. And this doesn't happen very often. It happens periodically. Every once in a while, you'll see a news story kind of pop up here and there about the Founding Fathers, something that was found or something that was uncovered, whether it was a piece of history, some uh, a document or a letter, uh, some long-lost copy of a Declaration of Independence. That's actually happened a few times in, uh, in you know, recent decades. And I came across a story this last week that was of that nature. It was basically history being uh, refound. And I'm going to direct you to an article that you may want to read. And I'm going to go over the broad strokes with you. I'm not going to read the article exactly, but I'll, I'll cover the broad strokes. And if you want, to, if you want to read the actual text of the article, if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, you can go over there and. Um, and read it. Uh, but I found this very interesting. Anytime something from the Founding Fathers kind of pops up on the radar in modern uh, news media, I'm, I'm very curious about it because I like to know that history is being preserved. I like to know that some of these items from, from back in, back during the Founding Fathers time frame was, is being preserved. This is all good stuff. And I would say that this this particular item is not quite founding father's property because it was uh, it, it came about in 1834, but it does tie into one of the founding fathers in a particular way, and I, I found that interesting. So we're going to talk about that today, just briefly, because again, I don't have time to do a long form podcast, and my my apologies for that. And I do thank you for bearing with me on that while I uh, while I have to take a little bit of a break from the long form podcasts to uh, to tend to other things temporarily. Again, this is temporary. So what's the story? And it's the story about a bell, not the Liberty Bell, but something similar. If you know what the Liberty Bell is, it's it's literally a bell. Um, and if you don't know what the Liberty Bell is, I you can do a quick internet search will reveal to you what the Liberty Bell is. And it's it's basically the kind of bell that you would find in a, a church or some kind of, some such institution that would typically ring out on a Sunday during church service or something something like that. Well, one of these bells was was rediscovered recently. Uh, in a sense, and more specifically, it was rediscovered some time ago, and it's just kind of been hanging around ever since uh, in somebody's garage. I'm not kidding. So the article, I, the, the, there were a number of these articles that popped up. This is from the Associated Press, but the copy that I got was from USA Today. And if you want to find the article, the title of the article is, quote, For Whom the Bell Rolls, Paul Revere Chime Returning Home, end quote. And this was uh, written by a William J. Cole of the Associated Press. And I'll read you the first uh, paragraph of the article, and then I'll just talk around it. Quote, Boston AP, a bronze bell cast in 1834 in Paul Revere's Massachusetts foundry is coming home, capping a nearly two-century cross-country odyssey that saw it hauled by ox cart to churches in Ohio before languishing for decades in a California garage, end quote. Now, for all for for you history enthusiasts out there, and I know you're listening to this podcast, that grabs your attention, doesn't it? So, a bell that was cast in Paul Revere's Massachusetts foundry is making its way back to Massachusetts after having been absent from that uh, from that from that uh, that state for almost 200 years. That's pretty amazing. So, what happened here? What in the world happened to this bell? Well, this bell was originally cast apparently in Paul Revere's Massachusetts foundry. Now. Because it was in 1834, Paul Revere was dead by then. Paul Revere died in 1818, I believe, if I remember correctly. And his son had taken over the foundry, I believe, in 1804-ish. I forget exactly when that was. Somewhere around that time frame. And eventually they made this bell. And it was sent first to uh, Ohio originally. And it stayed there for a very long time, by the way. 
So it was sent to a church in Ohio. That's that's very interesting. Ohio was actually pretty far out in 1834. I mean, you know, they're, they're, it wasn't quite, you know, the frontier country that it was during the Founding Fathers' time frame. But, I mean, to cast a bell in Massachusetts, send it all the way out to Ohio, that was quite a haul. It ain't like you just throw that on the back of a truck and drive it out there, you know, spend a few hours on the road and, and do that. This, this took a little while back then, especially for this bell. Apparently, the bell weighed 1,000 pounds. So how did this thing get rediscovered? It stayed in the church until the 1980s, according to the uh, the article. And apparently, the church that it was uh, that it was housed in was being sold in the 1980s. And if you can believe it, it was I believe it. The article says that the uh, the church was being converted into a fitness center, a gym. <laughs> That's pretty. It's pretty amazing in and of itself. So they had this bell, and the question is, is what in the world do you do with the thing? Well, the real estate agent who was handling this particular transaction got a hold of the bell herself. Uh, it was a woman by the name of Janine Shanks, and apparently she had to make a $1,000 donation to a church in exchange for the bell. Now, I, it doesn't really—I I didn't really capture from the article why it was they wanted the bell. Uh, maybe it was just to preserve it. Um, so that it didn't get tossed away or recycled or something of that nature. Maybe they just wanted to hold on to that history. And quite frankly, I'm very grateful that they did. Because again, it's a piece of history. Uh, it ties into Paul Revere. Paul Revere is most definitely one of the founding fathers. Now, I mean, Paul Revere, if you don't know Paul Revere, some folks out there might be thinking to themselves, who's Paul Revere? Um, so if you're not familiar with the history of Paul Revere, he was a messenger. He's actually popped up in a few of the letters that we've talked about already, mainly around the John Adams letter. He was carrying dispatches even before his famous ride in 1775, where he was warning about, you know, the British are coming, the British are coming, you know, that kind of thing. He was carrying dispatches even before that time. And there were others who were involved with that, by the way. Sometimes people think that it was Paul Revere exclusively when the British decided to march out of Boston. We haven't gotten to that point yet in um, in covering our, our history. We're getting very close to it, but not quite yet. But uh, it, it, people, some people think it was exclusively Paul Revere who did that, who carried that message out of, out of Boston into the country. Side, but it wasn't actually. There was there were several people who were. But uh, he was he. That's where that's where Paul Revere's claim to fame was. You know, was the that delivering the message that the British were coming. A patriot man, uh, by all accounts, at least as best as I can tell from the from the history, he was a patriot. That is to say, he supported uh, American rights and American freedom, liberty. And he was uh, very much of a, of a similar mind of, you know, your, your, your typical John Adams type character from, from the age, which we've talked a lot about. Very much not in favor of what the British were doing with the intolerable acts and the, the housing of British troops in Boston and all that, as I understand it. I haven't studied uh, Paul Revere or extensively, I should say, but uh, that's what I do gather from kind of the, uh, the talk about Paul Revere from, from sources that I have read at the time. So that's Paul Revere. So that's why this is a Founding Fathers story. So this bell... Found by a real estate agent, well, I mean, or discovered in part by a real estate agent as they're, they're handling this transaction of this church, and then it gets into their hands, and then they just kind of hold on to it while they're in Ohio. Eventually, they retire to California, and they take the bell with them. They haul that sucker all the way out to California. That's pretty impressive. And uh, according to the article, there's a quote in here from the article from the daughter of the real estate agent who uh, got a hold of this thing, quote, They'd open the doors to the garage and ring the bell every 4th of July, end quote. So this was like an Independence Day type tradition for them, apparently, which is uh, which is very interesting. But I mean, if it's a, if it's a bell that was that was put together in Paul Revere's foundry, I mean, why not? Very direct link to the Founding Fathers, Independence Day and all that. Now, eventually, the real estate agent who had retired to California, she dies. 
and her children get a hold of the bell, and they ship the thing from California to Florida. So this thing has made its way from Massachusetts to Ohio originally, now then from Ohio to California, and then from California to Florida. Keep in mind, again, this is a 1,000-pound bell. And then eventually, apparently, they got an offer from somebody to buy the bell, but there was some caveat that if they if they couldn't find something to do with the bell, that they might have the thing melted down and recycled. Uh, and these these folks uh, that were the children of that real estate agent, they didn't want to go down that road because they wanted to preserve the history. And thank goodness for that. You know, it's it's people like that are the are the reason why we have some of the historical items that we have. And uh, you know, th- th- it's a perfect moment to talk about that. You know, how is it we still have some of these these items from history that we have today? And honestly, some of the buildings that have been preserved, like Liberty Hall and things of that nature, the USS Constitution, for crying out loud. There's a ship that we're going to talk about in the future. Did you know that that ship is still afloat today? I mean, that, that ship, I think, if I remember correctly, I think it's the oldest ship of its type that's still actually afloat in the world today. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's accurate. I'd have to do some more reading on that to be able to confirm that. If I, But I was reading something about it not long ago. But talk about an old Navy ship, and they've, they've preserved the ship to the point where it's actually still still there, and that that's awesome. I, I really appreciate the folks who dedicate time, money, and effort, uh, including the United States government in many cases, to preserving that kind of history. Again, it's why we have the Liberty Bell and, and all the rest of it. And I like, I like those historical items, those things that we can point to and say, you know, that comes from the time of the Founding Fathers, or it's related to the Founding Fathers in some particular kind of way. And so this bell is very much that kind of thing. So they didn't sell the bell. Instead, after they got an offer to for somebody to buy it, but that didn't that didn't work out because they weren't they weren't uh, sure that it would be preserved. The the family ended up tracking down where the bell was actually created, and they tracked it back to Massachusetts and this uh, this foundry that was related to Paul Revere. And so they they ended up donating it to a museum there in Massachusetts. And so it went from Massachusetts to Ohio, Ohio to California, California to Florida, and now it's going back to Massachusetts. That is almost a complete circuit around the entire lower 48 of the United States. Now that's that's a that's a heck of a, a bit of traveling that that bell did. And all of it was really people holding on to this thing in an attempt to preserve the history. And, you know, people take this this seriously. I mean, and there's a quote from the article that I'm going to read you that really demonstrates that quote. Police in Canton planned early Friday to ceremonially escort the truck carrying the bell to the Paul Revere Heritage Site, a sprawling nine-acre facility that preserves Revere's legacy, end quote. So it got a ceremony. Uh, obviously, people take it seriously that, you know, this item, this historic item is being returned to Massachusetts where it was created, where it was born. And that's a, that's a good thing. I'm glad people take it seriously, the preservation of this history. You know, those of us on this podcast, on our study group here for the Founding Fathers, can appreciate that. You know, a, a big thank you, obviously, to the, to the family that preserved the bell for so long and held on to it, and uh, for the museum that is going to be housing that bell, and for the... Um, for the local community, the police included, who really went out of their way to try to make sure that this uh, got the warm welcome that it received so that it can be, uh, you know, brought to that museum and preserved like like it should. Seems to be kind of a rare item. So, you know, I keep an eye out for stories like that. And again, if you want to read the full story, it's uh, it's over at USA Today. Title of the article again, quote, For Whom the Bell Rolls, Paul Revere Chime Returning Home, end quote. 
Uh, it's a good article. Uh, it's it's fairly brief, short. Uh, if you check that out on USA Today or elsewhere, uh, it's it's a good read. I, I thought it was a good bit of history from the founding fathers and something to remind us that even today, people are still you know holding on to this history in their garage. And museums are still trying to get a hold of this material to preserve it so that the public can view it and, and, and look at it. And, you know, especially for you folks who live on the East Coast, I really, I really think you, you folks are, have, a, have a wonderful opportunity to see a lot. I'm not on the East Coast, by the way. But you folks on the East Coast do have a great opportunity, those of you who are, you know, obviously in the Northeast. Not so much in Florida, obviously, but in the Northeast, have a great opportunity to view some of this great history from the Founding Fathers, whether it's, we talked about um, Carpenter's Hall, and we've talked about other things as well. The, the, we talked about that in the, on the road trip that John Adams took from Massachusetts to the Congress in Philadelphia. Uh, but for those of you who live in the area, there's a lot of good museums and a lot of good stuff over there for you to be able to see items like that. Uh, that are tied in some particular kind of way to the Founding Fathers. And I hope you take advantage of that at some point if you haven't already. And if any of you have, uh, leave a review on the podcast and say, hey, you know, I've, I, you know, listen to the podcast. I have been to see some of these items in this museum or that museum. And uh, I'll bring it onto the podcast. I'll talk about it a little bit if you want to leave a review like that on the podcast on Apple Podcasts. But that's what I wanted to talk about today. It's it's a short story. It gives me something to talk to you folks about and something for us to discuss here on the podcast. Uh, I've never done that before. I've never I've never pulled like a modern story into the podcast. And the reason why I wanted to do it today is for two reasons. Number one, it gave me something that I could talk about briefly without having to spend a lot of time uh, creating a podcast episode because of my, my short schedule this week. But also because it do, it is a fantastic reminder of how this history is still impacting people today. And of course it is, because like I've said before, it's not just physical items like the bell, but it's also, you know, the ideas that the Founding Fathers had that made the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, so valuable. And of course, we still have the Constitution today as well. We still live under that government. And thank goodness for the Constitution, as always, uh, the Bill of Rights that we have. And may all this history be preserved, I, I certainly hope, that as much of it as possible. The, the more items that we can hold on to from the Founding Fathers, I think the more connected we'll be to uh, what the Founding Fathers did and re- reminded every day of what they did as well. And I would certainly like to have uh, some of that history as well. If I could get a hold of some of that history myself, I certainly would. I have replicas of history in my residence. I have a copy of the original draft of the Bill of Rights as it was signed out of Congress by Vice President John Adams. I have a copy of the Declaration of Independence that hangs on my wall. I also have a copy of the United States Constitution as it uh, appeared originally drafted without the various amendments. It hangs on my wall as well. And I also have some portraits of the Founding Fathers, believe it or not. Yes, yes, of course I do. I know some folks out there are going to be like, oh my gosh, this guy's got portraits, he's got the Declaration. What in the world? Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm just that guy. Uh, I'm the guy who takes uh, those items very seriously. I like to have it around me to remind me. It's it's fun to be walking through my uh, my residence and just kind of walk past the Declaration of Independence and stop and look at it and read it maybe a little bit here or there. I like to I like to do that kind of thing. So that's why I'm I'm so fascinated whenever a story like that pops up about some piece of history that was found. I, I, I take great value in those those particular items. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast, however short it may be. And like I said, if you're if you want to go back and listen to one of the library episodes that we have, that's more long form to to study a little bit 
more in depth or have a se- give a second listen to some of this some of the stuff that we've talked about before because we're missing a long form episode this week that would that would be fantastic I think episode 21 28 are my recommendations of course you can go back and listen to any episode anytime uh, I keep those up uh, we don't take any of those episodes down uh, those are going to be up uh, as forever as far as I'm concerned if I can keep them up forever they certainly will be there forever if I can manage that. Uh, or if you want to listen to another, a different episode, uh, that's uh, there's a lot of options there. We got everything from the Declaration of Independence to the Intolerable Acts and to uh, Taxation Without Representation. Some of those great episodes from the uh, from the past. So with that said, I certainly hope that I will see you here on the next episode of the podcast. I'll try to find some good content to talk about on Wednesday episode because we didn't have something long form to talk about here. I don't know if I'll be able to do that, though. It really depends on what I can piece together by then. Uh, If not, we will definitely, again, I guarantee we'll have a long form episode the next Monday. Uh, Not this, not tomorrow Monday, but the next Monday after that. We'll get back into the letters again, barring some catastrophe or something like that. I've already got it pretty much ready to go. I've just got to sit down, record it, and edit it and all that other stuff, which takes quite a bit of time, which is why I wasn't able to do it this weekend. So my apologies again for that. But uh, if you can bear with me just a little bit longer on this uh, temporary deviation from the podcast, uh, we'll get back into it. So with all that said, I uh, again hope to see you on the next episode of the podcast. I hope you get to enjoy some of the the older library episodes go back and give those a second listen if you so choose and you know something to think about between now and the time that we do our next long form episode next monday when thinking about the founding fathers and all the things that they did and they said what they said and what they wrote be thinking about how we can apply those lessons uh today to keep our government in good form and uh, to the extent some parts of it are in good form and to keep the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence preserved for the future so that, uh, you know, the freedom and liberty that we enjoy, you know, whether it's freedom of speech in the First Amendment to the United States Constitution or whether it's any other particular amendment in the Bill of Rights or beyond that we enjoy today, because, I mean, everybody likes to enjoy the free speech and everything. Just look at ways that you can try to preserve that history and that uh, that concept for future generations so that the First Amendment doesn't go the way of the dinosaur. Part of part of preserving history is, is preserving our, our current government and our, our Constitution and those rights that we have. Uh, the preservation of history and the preservation of the Constitution, Declaration of Independence are always high on my list of priorities, and I, I try to find ways to... Uh, to make sure that we, we don't lose those documents uh, or the concepts behind them, which is, again, part, part of the reason why we do this podcast. So with all that said, I'll see you next time. This is Roman signing out. Thank you. Thank you.